Let's just give a warm, immense welcome. Let's welcome up our bro- brother, Rabbi Matthew Toller. You know, it's only the first time. It's okay. Good. Good. Oh. Hello. Hi. Hi. I was in the front, so I didn't get to see your faces as you all snuck in during the beginning of worship. The lights were out. Uh, it's it's nice to, to be here at Emmaus. Um, yeah, I've known John since he was a lowly chandosa <laughs> on his journey of becoming moksa. Wow, he's grown up so nicely. Um, so he... he I am a rabbi, if you, I don't know if you, did you advertise I was a rabbi before they came, or is this like shocking people? Okay, I'm a rabbi, hi, nice to meet you. Uh, not like black hat and curls kind of rabbi, that's not the, the rabbi I am. Um, I come from six generations of Jewish believers on my mom's side, and five generations of Jewish believers on my father's side. Uh, so I basically have no uh, memory of not knowing Jesus actually in my life. Uh, but I was raised in a Jewish home with Jewish uh, traditions and we followed the biblical holidays. Uh, I went to a conservative synagogue on Friday nights. That's a place that didn't believe in Jesus. And then on Saturday mornings, I went to a messianic congregation which is a place where Jews and Gentiles who believe in Jesus but keep Jewish traditions go. And then on Sundays and Wednesdays, I went to church. So I had tons and tons of meetings, which basically prepared me for Korea. Um, Yeah, so God has a great sense of humor. I was born in the holiest city on earth, not Jerusalem, Las Vegas. So just proof what happens in Vegas does not stay in Vegas. Uh, I grew up in California. Uh, I graduated from university with an international politics degree and then went on and studied four more years to become a Messianic rabbi. I studied in the United States, in Israel, in Hungary, and in Ukraine. I was actually ordained in Hungary. Uh, I was pastoring in Hungary, and then God called me to do a terrible thing. He called me to leave Hungary to go to Hawaii. Cry, cry. Uh, Where I joined Youth with a Mission, and uh, I've been part of YWAM. Uh, I went for three months, and that's all I planned to do was three months, and it's now been more than 15 years. Because with God, you know, what's three months equals 15 years. Um, And it was in uh, Hawaii that I started working with Koreans. I pastored at a Korean church for about five years. I did a lot of Korean missions, uh, took a lot of Koreans around the world to various things. And then I joined Fire and Fragrance. You know, one of your members is planning on doing a DTS in Kona, Hawaii. Yeah, and... um, In uh, September of 2009, I left for a five-month outreach, and it never ended. And I left, and I kept going, and kept going, and kept going. God said, you're not done. My leaders said, you're not done. So actually, for four years and three months, I did nonstop traveling. I slept in 469 beds. I came to South Korea 45 times. This is in four years. I was in North Korea four times. Um, And then after that, two lovely gypsanim got a word from the Lord to provide a simple one-room place for me. And uh, so for the last five years, Seoul has been my base. But for the last nine years, I've only been on a tourist visa for Korea. So that means maximum 90 days. And I must keep traveling and traveling and coming back and traveling as God leads, as he does lead. Um, God is amazing. Like, I mean, our God really is amazing. The Bible is completely, fully true to the character and nature of who he is. To the things that you can expect or anticipate or even hope to dream for is absolutely true. And when I was in university, um, 
that's really where God began to train me in listening to his voice and obeying him. Because when you're young, you can be foolish and crazy. And it doesn't matter if you fall on your face because, you know, everybody else is falling on their face around you, especially in Korea on Friday nights. (laughs) And so nobody's really going to think about it too much. But it was like during that time, uh, a friend of mine, I was sharing with John earlier, but a friend of mine, he and I were like reading these books of missionaries and people who did these amazing things for God. And we're like, how does this happen? How does this happen? And, and I remember one time my friend said, you know, one day you can write a book like this too. And so it was called Adventures in God by John G. Lake. He was a healing evangelist that did crazy things a hundred years ago, a little more than a hundred years ago. And, and, and it was like, but how? How does that happen? How does it really, like people used to say, don't you want a relationship with God? Don't you want to have an adventure with God? But nobody actually said how to do it. They said, oh, well, read your Bible. Well, thank you. Um, Pray. Okay, yeah, pray. Uh, Go to church. Yeah, went to church. But how do you actually have the relationship with God? And it's taken me a long, long time to actually then look back to see what it was like to have a relationship with God. Now, I want to read a verse to us tonight. Um, There we go. You may have heard this verse before. Not positive, but you may have. Uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and a void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. It's like, ooh, we all know this, right? First day of creation. I love the first day of creation. I I think it's so incredibly profound and speaks to us even to this very point. Because God, when he created this, he created the space for this. And he actually removed himself, right? Because there was darkness. So we think, well, darkness and light. This isn't about the sun and the moon. It's not like, you know, lights versus no lights. This is about there was God removed his presence. God removed his 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 revelation, who he was, and created a space, and that's called the void. But he didn't leave it there. He then re-entered that very space. And the Spirit of God drew, drew near into that space. And then he said, let there be light. And there was light. And the light is him. The light is who he is. The light is his ways, his knowledge, his revelation, his glory, his manifested presence in our reality, in our creation. The book of Revelation talks about it. It actually says in the, in the days at the end, we don't need a son because Jesus himself will be the light for us. Right? And John, it's a, and the light shone in the darkness and they couldn't comprehend it. You are the light. You are the light of God which is shining in the darkness. You are the light of God in this place. That goes and brings the revelation of who God is into the very hearts of the people. Simply by you being you. Not by you being religious. Not by you being Christian. But by you being filled with the presence of God. You being filled with Jesus Christ. You being filled with His Spirit. You are the light wherever you go. It's like, so what do you have to do? Nothing. You get to be. Let there be light. And there was light. And God has ordered your steps. God will continue to order your steps. He says he orders the steps of the righteous. He is righteous. He is in you. You are righteous. It was interesting because during worship you were like praying. And I was like, wow, the Spirit of God was giving some revelation And it was like, 
There was this overwhelming sense that still too many of you are carrying around the shame and the guilt. The shame and the guilt of of your battle between your mind, your flesh, and what you know that God wants you to do. Which is just to be a son and a daughter of the Most High God. You get to just be because he's declared you to be a son and a daughter. He doesn't want you to be overwhelmed with shame and with guilt. He wants you to simply be the light. Does that mean you're going to sin? Yes. Does that mean you are sinning? Yes. Does that mean you're going to overcome sin? Yes. Every day of your life, constantly, you'll be walking into a greater understanding of who he is. But no matter where you are on your journey, no matter where your struggles are, no matter what's going on inside your mind or your heart or your spirit, you are light. End of story. You are child of light. End of story. Because that's what he created you to be. That's who he said you are. See, God said, let there be light. And what does the next line say? And there was light. And that's what he says about you. That's who he says you are. Now, when I was in university, I was really quite self-righteous. Uh, yeah, I, I, I talk about it a little bit in, in the book. Um, but, like, I had roommates who, oh, gosh, they drank alcohol. So top, top pay. <laughs> I just don't know what to do. Like, they, I, and and you know, I had a roommate who had, like, sex with his girlfriend while I was in the room. <sighs> yeah, crazy people do crazy things. God began to break my heart, began to change me bit by bit how to stop judging and how to start seeing. Seeing with his eyes. Who are these people? These are people who are made in his image. And when you start to see people who are made in his image, it's no wonder where you might go, who you might meet. You will never know the great things that God truly truly has for you. And it's taken me a long time to come down to some very basics. And that is this. If you want to have an extraordinary life with God, if you want to have a life that's filled with miracles and wonder, if you want to be able to to just walk with Jesus every single day, this is the simple thing. Walk with Jesus every single day. What do you mean? I literally mean, as you walk, you are walking with Jesus every single day. He is with you no matter what. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never give up on you. He will never turn his back on you. He will never reject you. Our God has perfect expectation and he doesn't make mistakes. So when he called you to come into his presence. When he called you to learn who he is. When he called you, he wasn't making a mistake. Mark 3.13 says, Jesus went up to a mountain and called to himself those whom he wanted to be with. I find that very liberating because I don't want to be with everybody. But yet God, God has chosen something different. And God called you. Jesus called you. Holy Spirit called you. See, when, when, you know, you have friends here, you know, some of you have friends, at least one person has a friend. Okay. And, you know, God forbid your friend do something then stabs you in the back. Oh, see, we had a quick look. Look, wow. Oh my goodness. We need ministry team preparation already for back here. Um, No, like, right, like your friend hurts you because you had an expectation that your friend wasn't going to hurt you, wasn't going to speak your secret to somebody else, wasn't going to use something against you. And you get so disappointed or like your mother and your father, they made a promise to you and they broke that promise or even worse, they were just lousy parents. Or you have 
a pastor or, or a leader or someone that you viewed as someone who should know better, but then they hurt you. They, they fell. They, they, they proved that they were, oh, what's the word? Um, a sheep. Because Jesus calls us sheep. And sheep are stupid. Do you know, see, Koreans don't know sheep very well. I don't know. And you know, some of you from other places, anyone from like New Zealand or Australia or, you know, UK, you know, the, I just came back from Wales. I've been back for three days, so I'm still a bit jet lagged, but this is like my prime time. So it's really good. Um, and, you know, places where there's more sheep than people. And I have a great friend. His name is Bob, 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 Bob was a shepherd. He's retired shepherd now. He's in his late seventies, and um, you know he taught me a lot about sheep. I was I, when you meet a shepherd and you're a pastor, you've you've got to ask like anything and everything you can ask about sheep, right? And and there was one day and this was phenomenal that he's like Matthew, I want to show you how my sheep hear my voice. <laughs> Because, you know, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And so like, yeah, let's see this. So we go out to the fields and he said, okay, just stand here on the road. It's very muddy out there. Uh, he said, you can see everything. So I'm like, all right. Actually, if you Google, Google me, I have a YouTube video of this. Someone posted online. I don't even know who posted on YouTube. But you can see Bob calling his sheep. And, and so Bob, Bob goes out. And as he walks out to the sheep, so, so he's walking and all the sheep are, you know, 426 sheep are, you know, eating and, and things like that. And, and if I go out there, the sheep aren't going to do anything, nothing. I mean, I've actually had experience with this. I've gone out and I start to talk to the sheep and it looks at me, pees and walks away. That's right. That's what the sheep think of me, you know. And, and so, but Bob walks out. And as soon as Bob walks out, the sheep stop eating, head goes up. And they're just looking at him. What's the shepherd going to do? And he just walks up. No dog. Nothing. Just walks up and he's just like, ah. He's like, huh? And he goes, ah. And then the sheep goes, ah. And then they run to Bob. And it's like massive of sheep just running to Bob. And, and, and then he opens the gate and he leads them into a new pasture. And then two, it's just over two minutes. And then he's like, yeah. And it's like, he didn't have to do anything. He just went, and they're, ah, and they're like running to him. We're always worried, like, am I going to miss God's voice? I don't think so. And Bob comes. And he says, Matthew, 423 sheep have changed pasture. I was like, Bob, didn't you say there were 426 sheep? He said, yes, but there are three sheep stuck in the bushes. And he said, do you know how stupid sheep are? And I thought, well, I've heard stories. But whenever someone asks you a question you know the answer to, still let them talk because you might learn something new. And old people like to talk. It makes them feel validated. And then they never remember they told you anyway. So still let them tell you the story 17 times because you never know the one time they'll give you something new. And so I was like, yeah, no, tell me, Bob. And he's like, so the sheep are so stupid. He says, when I go out there, they know I'm there to rescue them. They know I am their shepherd, but they didn't come when I called. So when I go out, they'll push themselves further into the bushes. And they'll even kill themselves, stabbing themselves on the branches, trying to get away. So he's like, I use my hook to keep them from killing themselves. That's us, right? That's what we inherited from Adam and Eve. Because Adam and Eve were in a garden, and they sinned. And then what happened? They heard God in the midst of the garden. See, we have to think, like, how powerful is that? Because most people think when you sin, you offend God. When you sin, God turns his back on you. When you sin, God can't come and dwell with you. 100% lie from the enemy. God dwells in the midst of sin. Holy Spirit dwells in the midst of sin. God is right there in the middle of the ugliest sin you've ever seen in your life. Because what did Adam and Eve do when they heard God? They grew afraid and hid in the bushes. See, stupid sheep. But the good shepherd doesn't want us to kill ourselves. See, 
Our sin doesn't cause God to flee. Our sin causes us to flee. Our sin causes God to pursue us. Always and forever. It's his character. It's his nature. Because he's always been a God of grace. From the beginning to the end, he's a God of forgiveness and a God of grace. He has never changed. There is not one God of the Old Testament and a different God of the New Testament. There's one God. And Bob says when he goes out there and, and then after he pulls the sheep out. And he sets it down and he pulls the twigs out from its wool. He said, he's like, I look at my sheep and my sheep look at me. And he said, Matthew, then do you know what happens? And I was like, what, Bob? He's like, the sheep just runs away and joins the other sheep. To this day, not a single sheep has ever said thank you. <laughs> and he said, but why should they have to say thank you? They're my sheep. I was like, it's incredible. This man had only known Jesus less than one year when he told me this. He met Jesus when he was 72 years old. He didn't believe in fairy tales until Holy Spirit grabbed him one day, literally grabbed him. He couldn't move. He thought he was having a stroke. Someone walked by to him and was like, Holy Spirit is on you. And he's like, Holy Spirit? Yep, Holy Spirit's got you. He's like, that's the Holy Spirit? Then he had a dream that night and in the dream, God lifted him up in a, in a tornado and said, Bob, it's time to get to my work. And when he woke up, he was floating out of bed several feet after, off the ground, and then he floated back down to the ground, 72 years old. And he was like, yep, it's real. Got to get to it. <laughs> so he read the Bible from cover to cover. Took him about a year and a half. He's dyslexic, never read a book in his life. First book he ever read was in his 70s, and it was the Bible. This is a natural shepherd. How much more our shepherd in heaven and you were all at this age right now where you're like battling between this idea of righteousness and sin all the time. And if the enemy lies to you right now that you guys are more people of sin than people of God, he will withhold you in a time in which you could experiment with the Holy Spirit and begin to form your life to be an amazing, extraordinary life for God and his kingdom. Do not let the lie of the enemy to tell you that your sin has made you worthless or disqualified. Do not let the enemy lie to you because you have habitual patterns of sin that God doesn't want to use you and that you're about to offend him. God has perfect expectation unlike our friends. So God can't be offended. It was like, oh, John... I knew it last night. Really? I thought, you know, you're my pastor and I called you and, oh, can you imagine God doing this? Yeah. I mean, I thought you were my friend and this is how you treat me. Like two years, you need to like, let's separate you for two years. I just can't look at you right now. You know, if that was the case, when Adam and Eve screwed up, he could have been like, Michael, Gabriel, get over here. Kick him out. They've ruined my garden. It was a beautiful garden. It was a lovely garden. I did so many wonderful things in that garden. And now look what they've done. I can't even look at them. Get, just kick them out. But God himself pursued them. God himself came to them. God himself instructed them. And he never left them. Because why? How do we know? Because their son, Cain, who then killed his own brother, God is in direct conversation with the man. He murdered his brother. It's also kind of weird because it was like his wife's brother and like his children's, you know, family. How that all worked out, I don't know. But God came and pursued him. David, a man after God's own heart. Of course, you know, one son raped his daughter and then another son killed that brother. And then another son tried to steal the kingdom. And then another son tried to steal it from his brother little dysfunctional family, man after God's own heart. Why? Because he recognized God is good. God is gracious. God is 
forgiving. God is loving. God will instruct. And as long as we're willing to be instructed, just keep going and keep going and keep going. And every single day, you know, we think sometimes like if we're going to be used by God, we want, you know, okay, we want this, this scenario. I remember listening to this scenario and thinking, that's what it means to be a person of God. And a person like walks into a village who's never heard the gospel. Come on, Malaysia, Indonesia, you know, we all want this, right? And we walk into the village and then like the shaman, the the witch doctor of the tribe comes out and goes, oh, I saw you in a vision. And the great spirit said, whatever you say is true. And then everybody becomes a Christian and the spirit of God comes and blind eyes are seeing and the dead are leaping out of the graves. And you're like, now I'm being used by God. But you know, there's only so many villages. (laughs) Do you know how many taxi drivers are out there? And if everybody's waiting for the village, who's going to reach the taxi drivers? You know, a real miracle was true story. My first trip into Korea, I was with a taxi driver who got lost. Can you imagine? (laughs) Oh, wait, I was kind of a foreigner and he was driving wrong ways for a long time. Mm -hmm. This was back in 2007. And I got just a word, a thing from the Lord that God was really just wanting to touch this man. And ended up, you know, I had a friend with me, thank God, because then he could translate. Because my Korean is like, I'm fluent in Korean food. Like, that's <laughs> Korean food in me, yeah, completely. Um, but, you know, the man started crying and weeping. Turned out he was a son of a pastor who had, like, fallen away from God. and He was, like, just stunned to know that God loves him and is still thinking about him. And then he actually gave me the taxi ride for free. You know God is moving when the taxi man (laughs) gives you the free ride. And, you know, that's what it comes down to is God said he would leave the 99 sheep to go after the one. But we always want to be the one who finds the 99. Wow, look at these, look at these 99. It's amazing. I'll be your shepherd. And they're like, we already have a shepherd. It's Jesus. He's after looking for the one who got away. You can be the one who looks after the one. You just need one. Like, who's my one today? Just who's my one? Like, one person to smile at. One person to encourage. One person, like, it's like, you don't have to raise the dead, but if you ever get to, can you imagine? I've got friends who actually did that. I remember I was in Ukraine and these little old ladies, we were having an evangelism in the park and these two old ladies were coming and just at the entrance of the park, a man had OD'd on drugs. The needle was in his arm. He had turned green. He was dead. They had called the the, uh, ambulance to come and just pick him up. And these two old ladies walked by and were like, what's going on? And said, oh, he... You know, this drug addict, he got, he got just, he overdosed and he's dead here. And they're like, how can a man die? And the prayer meeting is happening right there. We were in the prayer meeting. We didn't know what was going on outside. And they were like, no, 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 this is not right. In the name of Jesus, get up. And then they said the needle fell out of the man's arm. Color returned to his whole body. He started coughing and sputtering just as the ambulance came up. And they came out and they said, where's the dead guy? Everyone pointed to the man standing on his feet. And then they said, you're coming to Jesus. They grabbed him and like brought him in and then told the whole testimony. So you can imagine everyone's like. "Ah." (laughs) I'm like, God, why not me? Why not just the old ladies? But one time I was just inside the supermarket in Israel. I was on outreach and one of my team members was sick. So I thought, let's get some yogurt and juice and, and take it to him. So I'm looking, you know, like, okay, what kind of juice here? What kind of yogurt here? And there was this man, young guy, 18, 19 years old, like staring at me. And it's like staring at me, really uncomfortable staring at me. It was like, he was either going to like, he was just like, I'm like, are you going to ask me out on a date? Or, you know, like you're intensely gazing at me. And I couldn't figure out why. And he's all of a sudden, he's just like, where are you from? Thick Israeli accent. And 
oh, we came from Hawaii. Oh, really? I was born in Hawaii. We're like, really? And he like pulls out his driver's license. See, I was born in Hawaii. Start talking to him. Just talking and talking and talking. Just waiting. Like, what? why? why? I'm just getting juice and yogurt. I'm in the grocery store. And it was like, oh, so, you know, tell us about you. Tell us about Israel, you know, this area. And then, you know, the situation of things going on. And, and, uh, and we're like, so, you know, and he said that the reason he was there was because his friend who was in the military had been shot the week before. And he was going to buy some treats to take to his friend who's in the hospital who uh, had been shot. We're like, oh. And I said, well, have you known anybody else who was like, you know, been injured or something by terrorism and he gets and we just felt prompt just i just felt prompted i need to ask this question and he gets really quiet and he said yeah he said my girlfriend and best friend both died in a bus bombing and i remember the bus bombing i had actually been in israel i remembered that bus bombing and then the holy spirit just spoke and said he was on the bus. So I was like, um, were you on the bus? And he starts crying, sobbing in the grocery store. Yes, why did I live? Why did they die? Why did I live and why did they die? His girlfriend right next to him. The bomb was directly under their feet. Best friend right in front of him. And just began to, can we just, can we just pray for you? Can we, please, please. All right. So we, we just, I had one person, one, my team was wandering around. One person had come over. So we just start praying for him. Start declaring life over him. His name was Ori. I'll never forget it. I said, Ori, do you know what your name means? He goes, yes. Ori means my light. Or can be the light of God. It's like you have a destiny to be the light of God. He's like, thank you. He's like, are you are you evangelical Christians? I said, well, I'm a Messianic Jew, and my friend here, she's evangelical. <gasps> oh, evangelical, almost like being a Jew. He goes, you guys sing the best music. Sometimes don't let anybody know, but I just, when I hear the music from the evangel, I just stand and listen. Well, for 45 minutes, we got to have this conversation with this guy. Not a single person left the grocery store in 45 minutes. My team was like, every person was listening to you. See, you never know, like you don't know who you're reaching. But you're just like, okay, I'm getting juice, but the guy's staring at me. There's got to be a reason. I can either say, stop looking at me, you weirdo. Or I can think maybe God wants to like encourage somebody. Or when I was in university, really crazy stuff used to happen. Like somebody said, oh, I've got a friend who wants to meet you. I said, really? Yeah. All right, let's go out for coffee. So we, you know college. Let's go for coffee. Went to coffee. I didn't like coffee at the time, but interesting things happened over coffee and it ended up meeting the high priestess of the Diana cult. Yeah. It's full on witch, witchy, witch, witch, real witch, <laughs> crazy witch. You're like, you never know who you're going to meet. You don't know what God wants to do. So you're just like, okay, let's see where this goes. We end up becoming good friends. She tried to curse me a few times, you know. It's like the whole scorpion and the, you know, the scorpion and the frog, right? You know, why did you sting me? It's my nature, you know. So if you get friends with a witch, they're going to try to curse you. But don't worry, because greater is in you than in the world. Like, really? What can they do? Jesus died and broke all curses over us. Like, Jesus is with you. His blood is with you. When we went to Haiti with Jason, you know, common friend, like, the, the witch doctors, the number one way of murdering someone in Haiti is through, um, you know, the witch doctors going and cursing somebody. But the first question they ask is, are they a Christian? And say, well, why does that matter? I say, well, if they're a Christian, I can't touch them. Right? Because the blood of Christ is bought and paid and sealed for them. 
So they don't have power, right? The enemy wants to lie to the world and think it's got more power. It doesn't. So you don't have to be afraid. You know, you don't have to be afraid of the shamans here in Korea. Like I was at Dongdaemin. We were like praying outside Dongdaemin and they had, and I went, I said, where are the people doing the fortunes? I want to go find the fortune tellers, right? So, okay, found the fortune tellers and there they were and they were lined up and there were four of them. And I was like, okay, fake, fake, real. That guy's real. And the rest are all totally fake. You can tell. And is that there? And so I just stood and there was a bench. It was perfect. So I was just like, okay, I'm here. And he was there. And people are walking here. And I'm just like, oh, you know, I'm just praying in tongues the entire time, right? Because I'm just doing that. And I'm like, that's right. I know who you are. And, and each time a person started to walk by, I was like, no, in the name of Jesus. And then they just like kept on walking. But I wasn't like shouting. I was just in my spirit, right? Right? You don't have to say out loud. And the way I learned that was because the witch was cursing me. And, I, and, and it was like God gave me vision behind. And I saw she was drawing a curse. And in my spirit, I didn't, I didn't say anything. But in my spirit, I just said, in the name of Jesus. I was learning sign language at the time, by the way. So this made me start thinking differently. Because like people who can't hear or speak can't actually talk. So I was like, there's got to be more than just talking. So, with a, so in my spirit, I was just like, in the name of Jesus, I command you to stop. And the pin flew out of her hand. And it hits the window. And she says, if you ever command me in that name again, I will never see you. My friend driving the car is like, what did you do? What did you do? And I was like, what did I do? And she's like, you know what you did. I said, why don't you tell him what I did? She goes, he commanded me in that name of the God you follow not to curse him. I said, do not curse the children of God. And meanwhile, my heart was going, oh my God, it's real. Oh my God, it's real. Like, how did you know it's real? So I mean, in my spirit, in the name of Jesus, no. And the person, the couple were like, "Eh." and then they just like walked away. I was like, just praying and praying. And then I was like, come on, Lord, send your wind. And the wind comes and like the whole tent start like flying up in the air. I was like, yeah, nobody's going in today. And then the man, I watched him get on his cell phone. And then he looks directly at me and he goes, and he hangs up his cell phone. I was like, oh, something's going to happen. Ten minutes later, a guy in black shows up, you know, traditional black shamanism, Korean shaman, you know, guy, guy and he starts walking in front of me he's, oh, and he's shaking something at me and he's walking and I'm like, Lord, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> really? Like, what am I supposed to do with this? And then it's like, the Lord said, just be patient. I was like, okay. And he's going and he's going and going. And finally, the Lord said, just say now, shut up. So I looked up and I was like, now shut up in the name of Jesus. And the man looks at me. And all of a sudden, a security guard comes out from Dongdaemin, walks up to the man screaming at him and said, get out of here, get out of here. And he chased him away. And then the poor like guy over there was like, what's going on? And I was just like, huh. Ah. And then, like, the other people who were prayer walking came by. I said, can we do blessing song this direction? (laughs) You never know what God wants you to do, where God wants you to do. God will use you in the most amazing and crazy ways. And it doesn't have to just be like that. It could simply, you don't know that you don't know. You know, God wants to interrupt your life because he wants to use his goodness for his glory. I was supposed to be a speaker at a conference for a New Year's. You know, Koreans love their New Year services. And, you know, it's a, it's, it's a big money time, to be honest. You know, itinerant ministry, you know, who I'm faith-based missionary. I don't have a church that fully supports me. So anything I can get, I need to get. And then the God said to me, don't go to the conference. Like but I'm scheduled to speak at the conference. He goes, no, it's already covered. Don't go to the conference. I don't want you to go there. I want you to go to another church. What are you talking about? Okay, so I called my friend who's organizing the whole thing. And and I said, hey, how's it going? And he's like, oh, Hyungnim, I'm really sorry uh, to say this, but... um, this, this pastor came that we weren't expecting and he's really famous. And so we have to let him be a speaker tonight, but you're a speaker and we don't know what to do. I said, Oh, it's okay. God told me to go somewhere else tonight. And he's like, really? And I said, yeah. And he was so relieved. So I went to this small little church and it was a basement church. It, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, but 
at, at that time, and it was in Akujong Rodeo area. And, and so I just show up at the church, and, and, and God said, like, this night, he goes, people are going to want you to pray for them, but you only can pray for the someone I show you. I think, all right, I'll pray for only the one you show me. Okay. And sure enough, you know, the service is done, and Koreans, you know, always want the, the blessings. So they like, I said, sorry, I can't pray for you. They're like, what? I said, I can't pray for you. I can only pray for who God shows me. Just look for your one. I don't need a whole line of people to pray for. God brought me to this place for one person. Who is it? And I was, and it was like completely dark inside because it used to be a nightclub at one time. And yet there was one person bathed in light. And I thought, that must be the person. I don't know who it is. They had a hoodie on their face and it was pulled over. And I walked over and someone was standing next to him, a white girl. So I thought, maybe he speaks English. So I said, does he speak English? And she went, yes. I said, can you go away? yeah I said okay God now what and the Lord started giving me questions and it was like God was saying like you say and then you know some kind of thing that he believes God was saying to him and then God said but this is what I say and then you said to God and this is what God says to you and then you said to God and this is what God says to you and then you said and this is what God says to you and I was like, okay, God, now what? And he's like, okay. Now, so, so firstly, you know, God put my hand on his head, which, you know, Korean men, you just never know should you touch their heads or not. And so I was like this. And then God said, no, no, don't just touch his head. Grab his head and pull his head next to your head. So I was like, okay. And I'm holding his head next to my head like this. And, and then people are hoping this is like the hug goodbye. And so they're like lining up. And the Lord's like, yeah. I was like, okay, God. Okay, God, what? Shh, okay. Two minutes. Okay, God, what? Shh, okay. Five minutes. Okay, God, shh. Twelve minutes. Eighteen minutes. And then the guy just starts crying. The Lord says, tell him this is what I'm doing for him. This is what the Lord says he's doing for you. He said, you didn't know, but last week my best friend committed suicide. I came to church tonight to prove that God had rejected me so I could go home and commit suicide tonight. And it was like, I just found a new brother. Just, you know, just like, I'm supposed to be at another conference and then God sends me to this church and then to pray for one person and out of this whole church. God loves the one and you've got ones in your life. Each and every single one of you have one person, somebody in a class, somebody at, you know, the, the, the convenience store, somebody at, you know, when you're buying tapoki on the street, somebody on the subway, look up from your books, look to your right, look to your left. There's one person you can make a difference to. When I went into North Korea, like the only thing we know we can do is we are the light. Like that's all we can do. We can't say, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal savior? Can I go through the four spiritual laws with you? You know, like that's like number one way to get thrown into jail. <laughs> but if you're just like from the face and your heart and the whole projection, I love you because God is love. This could be the one thing in your life. And over four years, I watched lives in North Korea get turned around. Yes, I did see somebody come to the Lord. And yes, we thought they were a government plant. And nine months later, we discovered they genuinely gave their lives to the Lord. I have a lot more crazy stories than that, but it takes more than, you know, three minutes and um, usually not recording. Just be present in your life because God has called you to be the light which shines in the darkness. As you are, messed up, As you are. I didn't stand here and talk to you about my sin. But let me tell you. In every single journey of my life. I have sin. I still have sin. And I'm always being. God is always refining me. And telling me. And showing me. And gently leading me onto a path. That is more and more like him. I will never stop repenting in my life. But I am a stupid sheep. And that's what I want to be. Because I'm his sheep. I'm his sheep. That's all I need to be is his sheep. You are his sheep. He loves you. He paid for you. 
He wants to be with you. He has deemed you worthy, not because of who you will be, but because of who you are. Because of who you are. When he went to the cross, it was not some sort of manipulation for you to become a righteous person. He saw you at your worst possible moment. He's like, you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Not will be worthy. You are are worthy, each and every single one of you. Right now, you are worthy. So he's put you in this void to be the light. And he saw the light and said, it is good. He's made you and you are good. Never Agree with the enemy. Never. If Satan comes and whispers, the sky is blue, liar. (laughs) And Holy Spirit goes, look at the blue sky. Wow! (laughs) If Satan confronts you with anything, liar. Only Holy Spirit may bring up to your life that which he wants to bring up at the moment he wants to bring it up. And he will not use Satan to do it. You are his friend. Find your one. Your one conversation. Like a woman at a well. Or maybe when you're just walking by. Someone will just see you and see the presence of God on you. And it might change their life forever. I knew one young man. I'll finish with this story. a young man who was volunteering in Kona, Hawaii, Korean guy. He's the first one who ever talked to me about North Korea, really opened up my eyes and my heart to what was going on in North Korea. And he was going to be preparing his life to be in service of rebuilding North Korea, both physically and spiritually. Real visionary, 24 years old. And uh, he wanted to learn the saxophone. And so my good Korean friend introduced him to me and said, oh, Matthew plays the saxophone. He can give you lessons. And I'm like, no, I can't. I'm busy. <laughs> How, you know, Koreans do that to you, right? You know, like, oh, they can do They're like an expert. And you're like, no. Nah. And the Holy Spirit said, no, give him one lesson. I thought, okay. I said, okay, I'll give you one lesson. And then after that lesson, I don't know if you've ever heard someone who's learning the saxophone. It's kind of like an animal dying over and over again. I was like, oh, God, he needs help. And so I ended up helping him and helping him and learning so much about him. And he came to me one day and he's like, Matthew, 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 the most amazing thing happened while I was practicing my saxophone yesterday at the church. I've got to tell you all about it at our lesson on Sunday. This was Friday afternoon. I said, great, I'll see you on Sunday. And on Saturday, he died. He drowned in the ocean. Huge tragedy. And uh, someone brought me his saxophone to see his saxophone. And I opened up the case. And in the case, there was a letter. And in this letter, it was from a person who, it was what he wanted to tell me of what happened. And this letter is like, says, whoever is playing the saxophone, I looked for you but couldn't find you but felt that I had to write you this letter. And I wanted you to know that when I heard your playing, it sounded like music from heaven that came into my heart. And I had come down to the sea to look at the sea one last time as I was going to go kill myself. But somehow in listening to your music and listening to this playing, I've been filled with hope. And even though I couldn't find you, I needed to let you know that I have decided to live. Thank you. I was like, can you imagine? Like he wasn't even around, didn't know what was going on. He was just practicing his saxophone because his roommates threw him out of the house because they didn't want to listen to him anymore. And that because of this music that he was playing, a man's life was saved. Even while the next day he ended up going to heaven. We never know 
our own days on this earth, but each day we can find one person to be the light and hope of Jesus for. And you don't know who you're helping who may help the next one. So with that, I just want to bless you. Worthy children of the Most High God. Find your one every day. Just one. Smile, a word, an encouragement. You never know where you are in the process. But God has has you where he has you because he wants the light to shine in the darkness. And you are light because he is light. So may the spirit of the Lord God, he who was and is and is to come, may he bless you, bring you into intimate relationship with you. May he keep you. May he protect you and guard you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. May you receive his glory, his beauty, his honor, his unmerited favor. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. May he prepare the table of hospitality before you and invites you to his table in which he looks to your face and you look to his face and he smiles. May you experience the smile of our God. And may the Lord give you peace. The peace which goes beyond all understanding. The deepest love and security and shalom you have ever known. I bless you. In the name of Jesus who is our Messiah and is the Prince of Peace. Shalom. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach, Hussar Shalom. In the name of Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace.